Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Locked On LSU who joins us as Arkansas takes on LSU tonight in Bud Walton Arena. Uh, it's a game that Arkansas fans are confident in. It's five and a half points, I think, is the spread for the Razorbacks, but still never, never want to overlook LSU and the Tigers this year. And Chris joins us on the phone lines. Chris, what's going on this afternoon, man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Good to be on with you. Yeah, it's good to have you on once again. I feel like it was just a few weeks ago, but I figured since Arkansas is playing LSU, it only makes sense to to get you back on here, man. And speaking of the Tigers, they have been one of the more fascinating teams, I feel like, this year, where they have so much talent. I I don't think there's any question about it. They're 20-9, and nine, which is a you know good record, 20 wins and everything. Seems like they're, for most part, they're in NCAA tournament contention and all those things. But 20-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, I don't know. It just seems like they should be better than what they are, but we also know that they've had some injuries and things going on. So what do you make of the LSU Tigers right now heading into the final couple of games of the regular season? Yeah, I'd say overall it's been a little bit of a disappointing season um, just because of the big-time recruits that Will Wade brought in in this class. Now, I will say they did bring in a, a big transfer uh, in the offseason, a guy named uh, Adam Miller who came in from, I think it was Illinois, and he was supposed to be a big-time uh, scorer for this team, and he ended up having a, uh, an injury during the offseason, and so he's never played for them. So he was a big piece that was supposed to be part of this team with Xavier Pinson coming in from Missouri and Ari Ethan, one of the big-time recruits, and it just never happened. So had Adam Miller played, LSU probably would have been in that in that top four category when we talk about the four best teams in the SEC with Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas. But because of that and the injuries that have plagued them throughout this year, particularly with Pinson, man, they, they found themselves in that little, that little category of Florida, Alabama, LSU, you know, middle of the pack at the conference. And they've been, you know, it feels like every time they get a big win, it, it falls back and they kind of fall back to the, to the middle of the pack. So, yeah, I think they're looking to at least split these last two. Obviously, going to both Walton Arena, you know how tough it is. Uh, probably not going to win this one, but uh, I put Saturday. It's not a must-win at home against Alabama, but it kind of feels that way. You don't want to finish the season on a two-game losing streak and uh, going into the SEC tournament. So, yeah, they're they're in the tournament pretty safely right now, I think, because their NEP is up there uh, around 16. So, I mean, they're – they're considered a, you know, if you were just doing the, the net ratings and saying, you know, okay, they, they should technically be a four seed based on their schedule if they played and all that. But obviously, marquee wins and big losses, they're probably more around somewhere like a seven seed right now. And they can help their case, certainly, if they got a big win at, at Arkansas tonight. But, man, it's going to be a tough go. So you think with a strong finish down the stretch, a four seed, is that the ceiling for LSU? No, no, I was just saying, like, from if you're going by the, the net ratings, which is kind of what we use when you talk about, okay, here's how many quad one wins, quad two wins, losses to a quad four team, whatever, like, that's where they, like, that's where they should be. But in reality, like, if you looked at the bracketology, the Lenardis and all those guys, they have them right around a, a seven seed. And that's kind of where I've seen, like, Alabama's kind of been in that six seed ter- territory. And that's where I say, like, Alabama and LSU are very similar teams in that, they were supposed to be like high hopes for them this year. They were supposed to be, you know, near the top of the SEC, but they both have found themselves in that little that log jam behind Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas. So yeah, I think 
I don't know if there's anything LSU can really do to improve their seating or hurt their seating at this point. Obviously, if you lose your last two, that'll 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 hurt you a little bit. But I think they're I think they're in as about a seven seed. Yeah, I was looking at the losses that LSU had this year, which you know that's college basketball losses are going to happen. But I thought it was so interesting that it's like I'm looking. They lost to South Carolina on the road uh, just a couple weeks ago. Losses on the road to Vanderbilt. Lost to Ole Miss at home. Uh, we know TCU's a pretty decent team too. But then you have had where they've had some good wins as well. So I guess it's just when you look at those losses and you know maybe come kind of the head scratchers. What was the cause of LSU struggling in those games against teams that they are for sure more talented than and better than? Yeah, it was without without Xavier Pinson. I mean, you guys are going to see it uh, tonight. He when Xavier Pinson is is out there on the court, he is that field general. He's that guy who can move guys around. Uh, you know, he's had a couple games this year where he's eight, eight, nine, ten assists. Uh, he is he is a distributor. He's a general on the court. So when he doesn't play, uh, or you know, when he was when he missed a big portion of the season, it hurt LSU's offense. It went stagnant. Um, not to say they don't have guys who can score and fill it up. Obviously, Tari Eason has been you know their points leader for much of this year, and he's been really, really good. But uh, yeah, those games without Pinson out there really hurt them. So. Uh, yeah, look, the offense has been a little bit better as of late. They, you know, they scored 75 in a loss in South Carolina. They scored 75 against Missouri this past Saturday. Offense has been a little bit better. Uh, but, man, the, the way Arkansas is playing right now, I just think they're really going to have a tough go, uh, especially in that environment because Bud Walton has been so uh, electric all season long, and I expect it to be that way tonight for a senior night. LSU lost to Arkansas, of course, at home earlier in conference play, and then – they play again for a second time, and there's a lot more emphasis on road wins. So this would be impressive for LSU. What's their most impressive road win in conference play? Man, uh, I mean, the early season win over Kentucky was was a really good one. Now that was right, but it was the second game in the you know the SEC play. It was on a Tuesday night. If you remember, LSU was playing in their bowl game that night. You know, uh, getting their brains beat in over in Houston, but. Uh, they, they they honored uh, their, their legendary coach Dale Brown that night. They named the court after him. So it was a it was a packed house. It was an electric atmosphere. So the the home win over Kentucky stands out. You, it's funny you bring up that game against Arkansas earlier this year because man, that, that's a game that really felt like LSU let the, let slip away. Like LSU was was winning for much of that game, and late in that game, they just got stupid with the ball, turned it over. The offense went cold. And give credit to guys like J.D. Note and, and Galen Williams. Like, they made their shots and they, and they pulled away. But, you know, that was one that I really felt like LSU let slip away uh, early in the season and, and should have beat Arkansas that time around. So, you know, they matched up pretty well that night. We'll see how they do tonight, um, you know, with both teams relatively healthy. So, uh, you know, should be a good one tonight. But, yeah, I heard you say points per right around five. It's probably a good line. So looking at just the rest of the SEC in general and, and, and LSU and you talk about the seating and everything like that, uh, what's the ceiling for LSU? And what I mean by that is, like, I feel like LSU, when they're on, they're about as good as anybody. Like, I could, if you told me they were going to win the SEC tournament, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me they are going to go to the Sweet 16, I wouldn't be surprised. But as far as talent, ability, all those things, what is the ceiling for this LSU team come postseason? Yeah, I mean, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, if they made it to the Sweet 16, that would absolutely be a win for this for this season. Um, you know, as somebody who covers the SEC as a whole, 
you know, I, I think the expectations are a little higher. Like if Auburn doesn't get to the Final Four this year, you feel like you feel like you underachieved. If, if Kentucky doesn't get to a Final Four, you know, it feels like they underachieved. Uh, Tennessee and Arkansas, it would be a big win if, if I of those schools, you know, if, if you guys or Tennessee got to the Final Four, it'd be like, man, you really feel like you achieved something. And I feel like that's the same way with Alabama and LSU. If, if LSU were to get to a, uh, you know, to a Sweet 16, man, it would be kind of mission accomplished. The problem here, like I mentioned, though, is with the seeding. Like the, one of the bracketologies I saw the other day has them as a seven seed, has them playing ten seed Davidson. Okay, that's hmm. not impossible. They can win that one. But if they win that one, then they're matched up with two seed Duke. And of course, with Coach K and his farewell season, you know Duke is going to get every call throughout the postseason this year because everybody wants to see Coach K go out, you know, in the swamp song and walk off into the sunset. So yeah. I say all that to say, like, you know, the seeding is going to hurt LSU. We'll see who they get matched up with in the brackets. But again, if they can get to a Sweet 16, I think it's mission accomplished with Will Wade. He's already got a an elite level recruiting class coming in next year with a ton of five stars and. The rumor is a lot of these guys at LSU who would typically be one and done are talking about coming back another year. So Will Wade brings back the majority of this team on top of getting Adam Miller back next year who was hurt, and you're bringing in a couple five stars. It could be LSU's best team in you know since the days of Shaquille O'Neal next year at LSU. So the 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 arrow's pointing upward, but again, I just feel like uh, man, you know, you get into the tournament, anything can happen. But as far as like the the whole SEC expectations, yeah, expectations for Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas should all be Final Four. For LSU, I think Sweet Sixteen will be nice. I guess that uh, you kind of answered my uh, my next question there in a little bit. But if you can expound upon it with Will Wade, uh, we all know about uh, all the past and the controversy that comes along with it, and we know that this year maybe is a little bit of underachieving. But you mentioned the fact that you know next year and the year after that. Like, is is the future that bright for LSU? Because I feel like they're a program that should be considered one of the better ones in the SEC year in and year out because of the talent. Uh, do you believe that LSU next year, even the year after, will be a better team, a better program, and possibly contending for a national championship with the way things are going? That's the expectation, but, guys, it is it is murderer's row in the SEC now. Like, when you look around this conference, it may be the greatest collection of coaches we've ever had at one time in the, in the SEC. So, I mean – you're, when you're literally looking at Tom Crane, who's a, who's a good base, a basketball coach, you know, was good at Indiana, and he's about to get run out of town at Georgia, that just tells you how good his conference is when it comes to coaches. You know, Musselman, I love him. Calipari, Bruce Pearl. I mean, you go on and on and on about the coaches in this league. Um, no, I think Will Wade is he is a an elite level recruiter. Yeah, we can make the jokes about the the wiretap with the strong ass offer and. But the NCAA has more than enough time. That was four years ago. They've had more than enough time to vet and uh, and investigate, and they still haven't come up with anything. So if they do come out with any findings, I got a feeling it's going to be kind of what happened with Bruce Pearl at the beginning of this year, where it's like, oh yeah, you get a game, and that's kind of it, you know. So um, yeah, I think they feel pretty good about that. The only thing I'll say, guys, is there is Scott Woodward, LSU's. You know, relatively newer athletic director. There's some verbiage in Will Wade's contract that they reworked that basically said that they could fire him for cause if anything ever comes out with recruiting violation or anything like that. So, um, man, it, we'll see what happens this postseason. Let's just say hypothetically he gets LSU to a, a Sweet 16 and they overachieve. There's going to be a real awkward standoff about do we give him a contract extension? Do we still kind of wait this current contract out? It's going to be a real sticky situation, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the arrows point upward with the future with Will Wade, just with what he's doing with recruiting. 
But there's been some fans that have questioned some in-game decisions. Like I said, I mean, you, you talked about it right there. The, the two-point loss to South Carolina two weeks ago. The home loss to Ole Miss, inexcusable. Some of those games happen, but there's been some times with Will Wade on the court that X's and O's you've kind of left going, what the heck happened there? You know, so, um, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's safe. I don't think he's going anywhere. But, again, we'll see what happens with the NCAA. They've had more than enough time to look into uh, you know him and investigate him, and they still have found nothing. You mentioned certain things haven't ha- happened since the days of Shaq. Well, his son Sharif O'Neal plays for the team, and uh, he's been playing a lot more recently. So, what's made the difference in him getting more minutes at this time? Yeah, I think it's the the, the development of Efton Reed, who was their big five star center. That that's a true freshman. They they had high hopes for him. Like this guy was a stud in. in uh, in high school, and they really thought he was going to be a superstar for them this year. And if you go look at what he's been doing, yeah, averaging around like eight, uh, you know, six, seven, eight points a game, you know, uh, getting a couple rebounds, a couple block shots, steals here and there, but he's largely been inconsistent. He just looks like he's behind the eight ball as far as his development. And so because of that, it's opened the door here as of late for Sharif O'Neal to get both plays on. And he's taken advantage of it. And he's gotten some, you know, last time out, he played almost 20 minutes against Mizzou. He got seven rebounds, nine points. So, yeah, Sharif is nowhere near the caliber player that his dad was, but he still is a nice contributor to this team, and he's starting to see some uh, some minutes go up because he plays so hard. So, yeah, uh, you'll see him out there tonight, but really the key guy to watch is Kari Eason. He's been their stud uh, freshman. That It's so funny how they do it. They don't start him, but he plays starter minutes off the bench, and he's their leading scorer almost every night. It's a really weird thing like that he doesn't start. But, uh, yeah, Tari Eason is the big one to keep an eye on tonight because he has just been so good. And, man, if he comes back next year for LSU, I think he's going to jump into that conversation of possibly SEC Player of the Year next year, um, which this year alone, I mean, I, I've been counting for weeks. I think Jody J.D. Note has been in my conversation for SEC Player of the Year up there with Oscar Shibway and Jabari Smith. I just think what J.D. has meant to this Arkansas team all year, I think he absolutely should get the vote. Well, we want to have some fun with you, obviously, Gordy, because you're a big sports fan and you watch all different sports and everything. We were having some fun and talking about uh, banking in a three, as Wisconsin did last night, and how it's so frowned upon anytime someone banks in a three. It's like, oh, okay, well, more of a lucky shot and everything. And we're talking about the lamest ways to score in sports. Is there something that comes to mind for you when you think about one of the lamest ways to score in any sport? Oh, man, that's a good one. And, and by the way, back in my playing days, I was just king of the bank. That's all I could do. Um, yeah, it was never it was never nothing but net for me, ever. Um, yeah, that's a good one, man. I, I wonder, like, uh, the, the, the ones that I don't like just being, like, a fantasy football guy is when, when you're at the, the four-inch line and you, and you fall forward for uh, – for a touchdown, it feels those are well; those are not well de- well deserved or earned because it goes in the score box of zero yard rush for a touchdown. Those always just feel very uh, uninspired to me. Now, look, you're fighting in the trenches, you're you know if it's quarterback sneak or whatever, but it still just feels really weird to fall forward for a zero yard touchdown run. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Well, one of the ones I think, at least the one I feel like it might be one of the best is uh, in golf when uh, if you hit the pin. You know, if you hit a long putt or something like that and it hits the flagpole and drops in, it's kind of like uh, most times that wouldn't have gone in, but because you kind of had your own little backboard there on the hole, uh, it ended up working out too. So, yeah, we've gotten a lot of options yeah, and stuff like that. That's a good one. Oh, you know what? There's, there's another one. I saw it happen this year with the Astros. The Astros got a walk-off hit by a pitch. 
because the, uh, the, 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 they had the bases loaded in the ninth inning, and the guy came up to bat in the first pitch, just barely grazed his jersey, and they scored the winning run. That was really a really lame. It's great you won the game, but it's a really lame way to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what we mean. It's like, yeah, it's still lame, but hey, as long as you get the win, as long as it still counts in the in the record book, that's uh, that's pretty much what all uh, anybody cares about. Because I think we also were just talking about other plays too, like you know, uh, get not or having the uh, base or having the batter reach first on a strike three, but because you know the catcher drops it or whatever, can't get it to first base in time, stuff like that. It's just like it makes you cringe oh, and you course. hate. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of things out there, man, that we could talk about. But as always. Chris, we appreciate it, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tonight. And I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Definitely, guys. And uh, congrats to you guys and the Hogs. Man, killing it in every sport right now. Keep it up.